Data storytellers. Today, I'm here with Neil Bean, who's the Vice President of Business Analytics over at Siemens Health and Ears. Great to have you with us, Neil. Thanks for having me. Just to start with, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, you know, your current role, that kind of stuff. Give, let, let's have a bit of context from you. Sure, sure. Um, well, I actually started in this space back in 2001. I got my PhD from NC State University in Applied Mathematics and Operations Research and uh, jumped right into the industry, uh, joined a startup um, in uh, pricing called Pros, uh, and it was a great experience. I joined as a, an associate junior base level scientist. So there was analytics and data science weren't words back then yet. They weren't even invented. Um, so we were just called scientists. And uh, we, uh, yeah, just started to get on successful projects and became manager in 2007, senior director 2008, and vice president 2010. And yeah, really worked closely in the airline space, uh, travel industry, and also a lot of B2B uh, negotiated pricing. And all of it, I was responsible for the, the, the science, the statistics, and the analytics behind how that software worked. Left in 2015. It's the young man's game, Paul. <laughs> At some point, you got to give it up. I was fly. I was a million miler um, and uh, in the air. So it was, it was good to, to kind of come and Moved back to North Carolina and Siemens Health and Ears, uh, joined there in 2015. And it was great to take all the experience I've learned, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about and help to build a team here uh, for the last seven years. So, um, yeah, I have 20 people on the team uh, and uh, we're focused on on analytics and data science to support both service and finance. Mm. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned that, that back in the day, it wasn't called analytics or data or data science. You know, right. when, when you were going through that evolution, what made you keep working in this space? Oh, well, I mean, first of all, it, it, you've talked to so many leaders, right? right? And you, you see the passion that people have for this stuff and how much impact you have. And it's something you see early on when you start doing it. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's addictive, I think. Um, and then all of a sudden, what you do becomes the sexiest job of the 21st century. It's kind of fun to go through that transformation where this is becoming uh, huge, right? I mean, massive. I remember when Tom Davenport sort of first wrote the book on it in maybe 2004, 2005, it, it really became something that was gaining some momentum. And, and, and of course, you believe this because you do it too. And so, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, how much fun. I, very rewarding in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and you mentioned that, that you're you have a, a significant team of of analytics professionals, data science professionals. How do you see the the state of data analytics as we sit here in in 2022? What do you think about the state of the data function and the general progress of data driven business transformation in the corporate world? Yeah, I think we've moved past that initial stage, early adopter stage. I think at this point, it's pretty clear that if you're a business you need to have these types of teams. Um, seven years ago, 10 years ago, maybe not, right? There were probably some people who didn't maybe think that this was important. It was still reporting. Uh, but now I think it's it's table stakes or, you know, you, you got to have it. And so that's neat. Uh, that's a new era for us in this in this uh, world where we're, we're a, a critical part of, I would say, almost every business you can think of. So that's cool. But we're still maturing, right? It's not over. Um, there's a lot to, to go and learn. I mean, I was reading an MIT Sloan article 
this spring and, and 80% of projects still fail. Um, I was, that seemed surprising to me, but you can understand that I think executives are still a little befuddled on exactly how to use data scientists and AI and, and analytics teams to, to make a big difference. And they read the articles, they see how others are doing it well, and they don't want to be left behind. So we're still in a, there's still a transition in the maturing phase that's happening. Mm. And, and where do you think these big opportunities are for uh, companies who are ambitious and, and leaders who are ambitious in, in uh, you know, taking data, data to the next level, let's say? So let, let me qualify your question. Maybe you could say it a different way. How, how are executives handling this ability mm. to, 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 to say, okay, where, where's my data scientist group? I need them. Yeah, I mean, is that what you're asking? Yeah, that, that's actually yeah. a great question. Okay, yeah. I, I, I think it's difficult, right? Because I think something that me and you talked about in the prep is, 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 you know, what kind of leader are you looking for in a data science organization? And I think that's the number one question executives have to answer, right? Someone's got to figure this out. And I don't, I'm not trained in this area, right? So the first thing is to find people who have some expertise and know how to do this stuff, right? And then you got to have them build teams and then trust them to take it to the right place. And yet you desperately need it to go well um, too. So I think finding a way to build these teams out uh, and help make them successful, I think is, is the, the hardest part of this whole journey. So for you for specifically, is that the, the, the hardest part of being a data leader? Is it, is it building these teams with, with differing personalities, differing people and telling the right story to bring people on board? Do you think there's, there's other challenges that kind of run off the back of that as well? Um, not as much. I mean, if you walk around the country in the United States and Canada, I would imagine, uh, I don't know of a university that doesn't have a data science and analytics program these days, right? So finding talent is, is actually not terribly hard to do. And, and they usually come out with a lot of passion. And again, they see it's the number one job on, you know, LinkedIn or Glassdoor or whatever. And, and so I think the talent actually is, is easier. I think the hardest part for a leader is, is, is managing both executive temperament and what, what, what's, what's happening at the executive level and then pointing your team all in the same direction and trying to get everybody aligned. I think that's, that's really where, where the challenges take place. And yes, so, it does help to have a good story, by the way, when you're hiring, because you want the best people, of course. Well, that's right. And I think that, that what you're alluding to there is actually helping the, in, empowering the data analytics team to become more business facing, right? And what do you think are some of the best ways for your team members to actually gain more influence within the business? That's a, that's such a crucial question, right? The first of all, to anyone who's an analytics professional or coming out of school interested in doing this, you've got to learn the business, right? I mean, it's like a scientist. Uh, one of the things that I think people don't understand is, especially at the executive level, is that this is science, right? The scientific method is at play. And it doesn't, scientific method doesn't work like typical business stuff, right? Um, you know, you're learning, you're trying, you're, 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 you're uh, experimenting, you've got hypotheses on what might happen, but you don't even know really how it's going to work out. And that's not typical when you think of a standard project plan or standard deadlines. And on the opposite side, the scientists coming out think that they're going to play with data and that there's just going to be in these tools running regressions or, or building dashboards. And the reality is, is you've got to learn the business. You've got to understand the business in such a deep and fundamental way to really understand how you're going to build problems and solve problems. 
So how do you go about empowering the team to do that? Well, the first is that that's the expectation, right? So there's not uh, any question about it. Everybody on, on my team has a, has a, let's say an internal business customer, right? They meet on a regular basis. Some, sometimes it's daily, if it's kind of a bit of an intense project. Uh, usually it's more weekly or biweekly. Uh, and those, prod- those, those meetings happen no matter what. Um, you're in tune with your business partner. It's, it's just the, the expectation that's set. Um, and you talk in business language and you are part of the business. And the team does a great job of that. So what qualities do you, do you see in the people who are good at this? Uh, those who inspire that real change, they, they really nailed this connection. Uh, what qualities do you see that are those who are successful in this role? Yeah, a real desire to to want to know the business, right? I mean, it's interesting, right? It's part of the problem when you look at data science and analytics. How how does the problem shake out? So I'm obviously a little focused on sort of B2B side of things. Um, Been in B2B my whole life. Um, It can be a little different, I think, if your job is, uh, you know, really technology oriented, embedding AI into a driverless car or something, right? That's a, maybe a different issue. Um, but but in B2B, the business is the problem. The business is the, the car, if you will, right? It is the thing you're trying to understand and learn so that you can produce solutions to make it better. And what you see from, from people is that they don't see a difference between learning the details of a really interesting business problem and learning the details behind a really cool science algorithm or a really cool new way to get data and display it or a cool visualization. They, they don't see the difference between the two. It's all part of being who you are as a data scientist and as an analytics professional. That's, that's a great point, desire. And I think that also ties into to a lot about how you balance the line between being humble, you know, learning to, to, to adapt to the specific business needs, but also the, the courage and assertiveness to push back when there is something good going on at the back end and it's kind of hard to, you know, if you will, to, to pitch the business on that. So how do you think that, that these two aspects of desire can kind of work in concert with each other? Yeah, I, I think it's good. Let me talk about it from the business perspective because I think it's really interesting. Mm. Um, I, you know, but one of the things we laugh about a lot here is, is I'll do something that takes an hour I'll put it in a dashboard and the business will just be in awe. Wow, look at all that. Look at that. that that's a, I can't believe you guys can put that together. And meanwhile, you're thinking to yourself like, that was the easiest thing I've done in the last month. And, and then you struggle mightily in the back end of the data. You just can't get the data to get the, the two data sets to work properly together. The, 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 the regressions aren't telling you anything it's just nothing seems to be working and the leaders are going, what is taking so long, (laughs) right? I thought this was an easy thing for you to do. I thought you were good at this, right? And so, you know, managing that expectation. And so, um, you know, they don't understand necessarily what you do. So having a lot of open communication, being very clear, meeting very frequently, get into the details a little bit about what you're trying to do and the progress you are making, uh, I think is really crucial right at, at, at setting that desire to say, I need a solution. I need this business problem solved, um, helping them to, to, to get it done and showing them what's, what's, what's actually happening under the covers. Don't go away for a month and struggle, right? Let them know you're struggling, show them how you're struggling. 
So who should be proactive in that case? Should that be the data team or the business team? I think the data team has to be the proactive one. But if you don't get the response or the communication level from the business, you got to stand up and say, I guess this isn't important to you, right? Because if they're not involved or they want to walk away and, and have you noodle on the problem and just come back with some magical solution in three months, that's just not how this stuff works. It just doesn't work that way. You, you build something, you show the progress, people go, oh, that's cool, but that's not quite what I was thinking. They actually, there's something else you need to learn to really understand the problem. And you learn and you go, oh, I see. And then you, you, you start to go down a little mm. bit of a different path, right? And that's how this stuff actually works. So if they're not there giving you that feedback, saying, yes, that's perfect, or no, that doesn't make sense, or you forgot about this other thing, or I never told you about this other thing. You're you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of delays and and waste, right? And you want to minimize that waste. And they they're a big their involvement is a big part of that. Yeah, it's super interesting because we we've been working with the organization for like eighteen months. Been working with data leaders for 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 many years now. And when we were first conceptualizing, okay, what is data storytelling? What what are the data storytellers? We actually focused it more on. Uh, the business storytelling problem because it's easy to say oh the data team isn't communicating with the business but as you rightly pointed out when you're not getting that feedback and you're you're, you're kind of seen as a as, as as a tool to achieve an end as opposed to you know a human being with drive and ambition and, and, and motivations then th- there needs to be that storytelling on both ends on the data team and the business team right yes yes absolutely so yeah i mean we're on the data storytellers right so probably <laughs> should talk about storytelling uh yeah, I mean, obviously, yes, this, telling a story is, is huge, right? People want to know why you did what you did. What What is this supposed to be telling me? How do I use it? Um, what's its purpose? What's the business problem it's trying to solve? Um, it's so crucial to be able to talk about um, the situation and what is currently going on and why what you're doing matters, it, it, it's beyond important that people hear it, right? Um, and in fact, so much so that I highly recommend that people in this field uh, take either some sort of public speaking uh, training, something that allows them to, to really make an impact when they're trying to tell other people what it is they do or what this solution is, is, is here for. And it, it not only helps you in actual public speaking or actually having those conversations about to other people to be clear about what's going on, but it actually helps you in the front end because as you go to solve the problem, if you're actually thinking about how you're going to present it, you need to know what the business problem actually is. You need to know the situation you're in to kind mm. of tee up, right? That, you know, that part of the story where you're, you're mired and things aren't going well and, you know, we have a, we have a way out. Right. And, and here's what that way out is. And I also think if you can just find, you know, I've, some people say you should, everyone should be a waiter at some point in their life. Right. I feel like everybody should be a salesperson mm-hmm. at some point in their life. Right. Because you're forced, you're absolutely forced to do this. You will not sell a thing if you, if you don't have this ability um, to sort of tell a story about why somebody needs something or why something's important. Um, and uh, so, so, you know, it, any skill an analytics team can have in this regard is really, really important. 
and to get out of the tunnel vision and do it in the right way, right? If, if you're a data leader, you can get you can easily get lost in the in the weeds, I would say. Whereas a good story is it tends to be, I would say, concise. You know, it has a big idea, it has how it's going to affect you. Because people aren't really interested in you know what's going on in someone else's life at the end of the day. You know, they're they're they're, they're very by by nature we're very self centered people. Uh, so to actually turn that story into how is this going to help you? How is this going to, how, if we don't do it, it's going to hinder you. It right. takes a, a certain level of communications and influence and persuasive skill. So, so in That's the past, how have these skills played into your success as a professional throughout your career? Yeah. I, I mean, it, I mean, number one, I mentioned sales. Uh, so when I became the senior director and then vice president at, at pros back in 2008, 2010, you know, th- there was a desire in the sales cycle for our customers to say, hey, okay, so you're telling me about all this great science and all this really cool analytics behind the scenes that uh, that is driving the value that I'm going to re- receive. I'd like to talk to your head scientist and say, you know, what, hear from them how this mm. is all going to work and how this benefits me. And, and uh, you know, I had to learn quick on how to stand on my feet take objections and turn them into uh, positive answers and, um, and yeah, show the value and tell the story. I think that's that training. Uh, it's, it's, it's like boot camp. I mean, you, you got to mm. learn fast and you, you get, you get good at it. You have a lot of material and yeah, it becomes really, really important um, to be able to, to, to speak clearly and to tell great stories. And I think part of that is having both facts um, and also just simple ideas about how you've shown that you've thought about this before. When you say something out loud, people think, oh, that's interesting, right? When you say it, but it's on a slide, it's a little bit more real, right? Or if, or if they ask you a question and you send a two-page document immediately back, they know you've thought about this before. You didn't just make this up, mm. right? And I think there's something really powerful to that. Um, you know, so how come this isn't complete? Well, there's the problem with what you're trying to do, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. come across great, but if I say, here's the reason, right? And it's laid out all of a sudden, all this trust starts to, 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 to be there. And, and I know you talk a lot about building relationships that, that tr- building that trust that the person can rely on you. And, and to, to, when you tell that story, they're really listening. And they believe you uh, that 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 building those relationships, whether it's within the first 15 to 20 minutes or even if it's with over years of working with someone, other executives want to know that they can trust you. So it's a big part of storytelling, actually. Yeah, and I think that balancing that, that creativity uh, and the enthusiasm for uh, a good project, for example, uh, you need to realize who you're speaking to. You're not speaking to data, a lot of times data oriented people. You're speaking to people okay. who can be quite, uh, you know, threat associated they, they hear a new project that comes across as a as a threat and that's a great trait to have right to to be able to pressure test and and to and to be able to to to, to see what someone else who's excited might not be able to see at the same time uh you want to be able to go back with the answer and that's how you build the trust because if you get a question that you don't know the answer to then that's kind of almost a red flag for these kind of people so actually when it comes to doing things like securing sponsorship spreading data literacy throughout the business uh changing the perspective of key stakeholders this is this is all the 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 wheels in motion this is the the, the meat of it is is telling a, a great story as well when you mentioned trust there which is which is really great what do you think are some of the other ways to build and facilitate it 
Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, right? I think you'll hear a lot from people that say, oh, you've got to build a lot of relationships at the C-suite level. You've got to earn their trust and so forth. And it's all great to say those things, but how do you actually do it? Right? I think that's the, that's the hardest part. And where I see people make the biggest mistakes is, is they sort of think like to be an executive, you have to act a certain way or you have to, you know, be really confident and, and you see people just try to be someone they're not. Um, and, you know, you see people with imposter syndrome, right. And it's, these are things you've got to really practice and get out of doing, right. You'd be yourself. Everybody mm. when they put, puts their pants on one leg at a time, everybody has to eat, eat to survive. I mean, the executives are just people. Everybody's just people and just, you know, get out of the, this notion that, that they're anybody different and, and have fun and be honest and be open. If you make a mistake, own it. Um, and just admit it, right. You don't have, no one's perfect. Uh, it's just really simple advice to people that I see, uh, you know, make a lot of mistakes because they think if I'm going to talk to executives, I have to be somebody different. And this isn't really true at all. And, and when you are yourself, when you are actually having fun at this, most data science jobs are not life and death. Oh, I, I, some are, I guess, uh, B2B. It's certainly not. And, <laughs> and you, you, you just don't need to, to treat it like that, right? You get, have fun, enjoy it and joke around and make it fun for the people around you. Um, it really does create a, a lot of trust and, and people want to work with you, right? They're like, mm. oh, yeah, it's great working with him or great working with her. They, they really get it. And they're, it's, it's, it's successful and it's fun. And, and that's to me, how you build strong relationships, right? And don't try to be someone you're not, whether it's by not telling the truth or, or just mm. trying to pretend that you're super confident or anything like that. Absolutely. And, and uh, we, we don't like to put people in the bucket of data science or introverts here because there's really good right. data science who are extroverts here. And I think you need to balance right. the line between being able to have those conversations in a, in, a, in, a, in a proper manner, you know, given the gravitas they deserve, but at the same time, without being insincere, without telling lies, without pro- over-promising and under-delivering. Um, you know, the, these are all the kind of traits that we, we like to see in data champions in, in businesses. And actually, this kind of leads me on to my next question. What, you mentioned that you're, you have a team of like 20 people. Yeah. How would you describe your role as the vice president of business analytics within Siemens, are you like a, uh, are you the data champion? Are you a, a, a team leader? Are you a data evangelist? Are you um, the data guy for Siemens? You know, what, what would you contextualize that as? Yeah, there's a bit of the data guy or data person. That, that there's definitely some of that for sure, right? They call Neil, right? And, and you know, then I get the phone calls and we go from there. Um, yes, I, I, I definitely play a, some expertise role as far as this stuff goes. Um, so I, so people will defer to me on certain topics, which is great. I, I certainly enjoy that. You got to be careful coming off too much of an expert because the reality is, is you, we all have a lot to learn, right? So, um, keep being curious is, is better, right? And just be happy they came to you. Um, so I, I definitely play that role on my team in, in particular. I, I act very much as a magnet to where we're going, to what's the future holds, get everybody aligned. When I first showed up, very, very sort of siloed. It was kind of an amalgamation of different groups throughout the business, right? And like take on reporting people, hire some new data scientists, put them all in a group. And and they kind of were kind of going their different directions. And so my job was to sort of get them all pointed in the same direction. 
uh, and yeah, have a vision and go, right. And create a culture, right. That was the biggest thing for me is set the tone for a great culture. You, you can't have a, a, a winning, uh, a really successful data science. If people are scared of being yelled at, uh, afraid that they're going to, that a failure is going to bring down the wrath of their leadership. Um, you've got to create a really safe and fun place to work for people. This is a great job. And these guys are incredibly motivated. Uh, so I don't need to motivate them. That's the easy part. I need to keep them happy, right. And mm. feeling safe and that, and, and doing great things and getting rewarded for doing great things. That's, that's, that's my, that's my job. Really interesting that the words you use there set the tone for the culture because we could sit here and, until the cows come home and talk about <laughs> how do you create a culture of a, 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 a data culture that's sustained. But actually, I think that the way you phrase it, setting the tone for what kind of culture you want to, if everyone can do that. And that's 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 a really good foundation for building a, a data driven business culture, right? And I think that that's really key. I also like what you said about you know when I asked you what your role is, you, you say I'm a bit of this, a bit of that. But one thing you didn't say is that I'm I'm a data nerd, and that's a really interesting brand that I think a lot of people are going down. Um, but actually, that doesn't set the right tone. It doesn't set the right tone for the culture because it needs to be business-facing. It doesn't set the right tone for you as an individual because no one wants to talk to a data nerd, right? Uh, so it's really interesting that the, the, the way you, you answer that and the actual roles that you gave were completely away from that. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a data professional, is what I would say, as opposed to like someone who just dabbles in data and sits behind a computer all day. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I don't know if I, I, I'm going to let you take the data nerd title away. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I mean, it's all of it, right? I mean, that, I think that if there's one message I'd want you to get across is that your desire to be a business person and your desire to be a data nerd are in, they sound so different, but the, to do this job, you have to, they're, but they have to both be there. Mm. Exactly, exactly. So when it comes to the, 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 the setting the tone for the culture, then how do you approach educating the organization on this? How do you go about setting the tone? Yeah, it's a great question. It's really hard to, I mean, I work at Siemens, right? Very large company. Um, and so you can't talk to everybody all the time and have all these one-to-one meetings about how important certain things are or learning certain tasks, but you do have interactions with leaders and individuals. And, you know, the, the, the key is to talk about, you know, one is the future state and people are starting to see, you're starting to see people grab data and do interesting things. The tools to make it easier for business people to do their own analysis are just getting better and better and better and easier to use. And you're starting to see them use them. And so when you have that opportunity where, someone perks up and says, I'm interested in this. Uh, you got to seize it. You've got to take hold of it. You got to grab it. Right. And if it's another executive, obviously you're doing that, right. That they need you, but they're not going to be doing the work. I love mentoring people outside of our team who've raised their hand and said, this seems like there's something really important here. Uh, I latch right onto that. And if I can get evangelists in other groups, then I feel like the message is spreading. I can't spread the message in Siemens by myself. It's too big, but I can, work, I can walk around and start spreading the message. And it's really interesting because the messages I was spreading over in Europe and other places around the company, I'm hearing come back to me now three, four years later, right? And so 
I, I think you just kind of keep talking to people who are interested in hearing about it and are interested in this topic. To me, that's, that's the best way to do it. I guess grassroots or word of mouth, right? To some mm-hmm. degree. And then if someone wants to engage with you, executive or not, take the time. It, it What's a half hour to, to sit and talk with someone about how important this stuff is and answer mm-hmm. their questions. Interesting. So because it's word of mouth, how do you define data drivenness in that sense? How do you, when you go through these feedback loops, how do you then get to a point where, okay, we are data driven now? Uh, data driven is a word, right? It's a <laughs> phrase, it's a label. Um, I mean, you know, I, I would say that I don't talk about data driven. I talk about it's, te- it's data storytelling a lot, actually. And one of the things I'll usually stand up and tell people is how do you know fact from fiction? Hey, what's going on over here? Something's not right. I got customers complaining or salespeople complaining. Something just isn't right. What's going on? And then somebody says, well, you know, there's this thing happening and I couldn't find a parking spot or like, whatever, you know, excuses or folklore about what's really happening. Uh, is it true what they're telling you? Is it, how do you know? Are you just, you know, I mean, what if it's the, 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 the salesperson who told the sales leader, who then talked to the VP of sales, who then talked to the CFO. I mean, we've all played that game of grapevine. I mean, who knows how the story is going to end up evolving and what it really means. If you have the facts, though, about what's actually happening, all of a sudden the conversation can be laser focused on solving actual real problems because you see them right in front of you. And I think for me, that's kind of, my go-to statement about, I guess, why you need to be data-driven, right? Is you're going to make bad decisions because you're just listening to folklore. Some of that folklore is accurate, some of it it's not. And it's not by people are lying to you. It's just, it can't tell the whole story. Well, Neil, it's been a fantastic conversation. What advice would you give for data analytics leaders today? Oh my, I, so much, right? I mean, there's so much out there. I, I think I go back to culture, first of all, right? You, you got to have great culture. It, this thing almost runs itself if the culture is there. Uh, you know, you as a leader, you're always going to have your role. Uh, but it becomes really easy when everyone's really inspired to do their work. They love their job. Uh, they know that you have their back and you're there to help them. Um, and the people around you enjoy working with you. The business gets a lot of value out of you. I think it all comes back to that culture of your team and how you run, run your team. Mm-hmm. I really do. And so that would be my number one piece of advice. And then number two, got to grow, right? It, there's always growth. The technology in this space is unbelievable. Uh, and you got to keep up with it. You've got to enjoy it. And it's hard because you're trying to solve all these business problems, but mm-hmm. now you got to use this new tool or you got to figure out how to use this new tool. And I think that balance is always going to be there. And so embrace it, even though it's really hard. Absolutely. Well, Neil, it's been a pleasure to have you on some really great insights there and, and hope to have you on again soon. Yeah. Thanks for